Hey, hey, it's Chuck and Austin. We back in the stew. Coming at you with Booking It, episode two. Episode one, we did Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Episode two, we are now doing Two Towers. Staying on that Lord of the Rings beat. Later, we'll be doing a little fantasy football hour. Uh, Chuck and I are in the same league. Anyways, let's just get into it. Fellowship was kind of stinky. It was really just set up for for two towers. Lots Um, of poems. Just dense. Not not a great hang. Um, Tolkien is like this Oxford professor linguist. He makes this like insanely dense world which is why so many people love the story, but it's just like very detail oriented and like not narrative focused. And it's all set up for two towers and return of the King, which are way sicker. And I'm wondering if the first one would have been funner if you didn't know necessarily kind of about the story or about the kind of things they talk about, because then maybe just like the descriptions themselves might be surprising or exciting. Like if you didn't really know what a hobbit was, maybe it'd be more fun to read like 10 pages about like what a hobbit is. But if you do know what the hobbit is, it can be, it's like, okay, hear that, hear that. But the poems were really for me, what were the hardest to get through the poems because they weren't really adding a lot for me. Do you read the yeah, poems Sam when you Ganges, get to the poem? Sam Ganji's songs. Do you read the songs? I honestly, well, at the first book, I read every poem. Second book, I started getting a little more skeptical with my poem reading. Okay. Are you... Are you going to watch the show? Are you watching House of the Dragon? I don't know. I, I, I'm not watching House of the Dragon yet. Okay. I'm down for the Lord of the Rings show. Yeah. Yeah. Key themes. What's like the first thing you think about when you think of Two Towers, this book you just read? From a structural perspective, one thing that I thought was, if this book was written today, it would be cutting back and forth, you know? Like, it seems like every book now, you're going to read the chapter, you get the cliffhanger, cut to the new character, right? And this book had two, like, 200-page books and just put them next to each other. But if you sent this to a publisher in, like, 2020, they would be, like, chop that shit up and just put them back to back to build, like, the suspense, right? That was like the first thing that I thought, because I feel like in every book now, that's kind of the way they roll it. Obviously, from the first one, like, because the second book does just say it's like starting on page like 400 or whatever. So theoretically, it could be read as like the same book. And in that sense, it is kind of fun that you lose the hobbits for a bit, given that you don't necessarily know what happened to them. But I was just struck by that because I don't think they would let you do that anymore. So what Charlie's referring to is in Two Towers, the first 250 or so pages are, it's just the fellowship, right? So Aragorn, um, uh, (laughs) yeah, who else? (laughs) The the non-Frodo hobbits. What are those? Pip Pip and Mary. Uh, I don't like those. Legolas and Gimli see yeah um so it's all focused on them and they have various various storylines um 
And then 250 pages of after that of just Frodo and Sam. And you don't even really know like what the timeline is either. You just get thrown into Frodo and Sam. And Charlie's right. I mean, if you've read like any book with characters, they're just, they're totally flipping back and forth in between them on the same timeline. The Palantir, can we start there? Sure. That is so humor and all seeing Orb and this company that is like doing some morally questionable AI insight stuff just named itself after it. Wait, what? I didn't know what Palantir was. Do you know the company? They're, yeah, I know the company. They're named after the Lord of the Rings. Palantir? Dude, that's, that's crazy that's, sus. That's what that is. Yeah, that's, that's Palantir. Whoa. It's Palantir is an all-seeing orb that the villain in the story, Sauron, uses to like basically spy on the rest At least of they're them. letting us know their intentions right up front. They're not keeping it a secret. Yeah, I mean, that, that was good comedy. I also didn't know what that was before. Um, My favorite new thing in the second was the Ents, the tree guys. Something about the tree guys just really did it for me. And I like the way that they would sleep, like standing up, <laughs> catching the rain. That that I liked all the little descriptors of the tree guys. And you're like, that is so like what a tree would do. Ents, Ents are getting 10 hours of sleep on a flight to, to Europe from LA. <laughs> They're sleeping the whole time. They're vertical. They love it. They're crazy. Put them in econ class. They're still doing it. <laughs> okay. Big question for me. Is Frodo relatable? He's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of pressure on him, this guy, you know? They, give they put the like weight the- of the world on him. He, he kind of strikes me as like a Bush Jr. character, you know? Like he didn't really ask for it. His, his dad... Like Bilbo is like the greatest, right? And then Frodo, they're like, yeah, you're going to have to do this too. And it's like, why are you choosing me? I'm literally a random guy. But his dad is so famous that they're like, no, you'll be great too. So he's forced into it. Now, maybe Bush is not the best example, but you feel me. It, it, it's kind like of Ronnie, like... Ronnie James, Charlie Woods, George... Ronnie James. George Ronnie Woods James Jr. Yeah. He's kind of Ronnie James. Ronnie James getting all this press, you know, let him go to high school, let him learn. And that's kind of how I feel about Frodo. This guy's jolted out there and he's just a youth. Yeah, they, I feel like they try to give him a lot of common man characteristics. But then whenever it matters, he's just wielding impeccable judgment and mental fortitude. Like, where yeah, is that coming from? Lies, Frodo. You want to power, power rank the fellowship? Yeah. Well, I hear a lot of talk about Aragorn, but I've not seen him do anything that exciting yet. So maybe I got to get ready for the third. But right now I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting Legolas number one. Okay. I like a ranged attacker. In the movies, he is, his body count is insane. Crazy high. Okay. Like, That's good to hear. He puts, he really puts everyone else to shame. Okay. I put Gimli second. Okay. I'm putting Aragorn third. And I'm not getting a lot out of the, the, the Tooks. Is that the Tooks? The Peregrine Took. I don't love this him? guy. Don't love him. I think there are too many hobbits. 
We just need like one, two hobbits. Sam, Sam and Frodo. Yeah. We're good to go. Yeah. These other guys haven't done much to add to the group yet. And they're very hungry. Resource laden people. Gimli over Aragorn is out of bounds, in my opinion. <laughs> like, what is the argument for Gimli? Gimli's doing it, doing more with less. He's shorter. <laughs> but he's still just as powerful. <laughs> Gimli, Gimli rounds up so hard on his hinge. Like, he says he's, <laughs> he says he's like 4'3", but he's really like 3'5 I'm five feet tall, I swear. <laughs> Dang, I, I agree. I don't know. What about um, Gandalf? You putting him at the top? One thing you notice about Gandalf, which is very similar to Dumbledore, is that both of them, they use this technique where they're telling people what's going on, but like only so much, you know? Like Gandalf theoretically knows what's happening in the world. But when people ask him, like, hey, what's going on? He says, sorry, like, I'll, you'll find out in good time, you know? And it's kind of funny that as the reader, that that's just like, because it, it, it is acceptable, but it's funny that it's acceptable because in a certain sense, it's like, Gandalf, what's going on? But then we're kind of discovering what's going on with everybody else rather than him just telling us what's going on. And Dumbledore had this, a, a similar thing where he knew what was happening but he would answer Harry in this kind of skeptical tone and only tell him what he needed to know. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that's like a storytelling mechanism, right? In real life, you think that flies? No. <laughs> like I am grabbing off and like shaking him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of like Harry Potter parallels, I kind of see how Sauron like inspires characters like Voldemort where they're outdone by their own ambition. So Voldemort's always underestimating the power of like love, friendship, loyalty, and that's part of his undoing. He struggles to anticipate when people are selfless for their own benefit, like Harry, right? Hmm. Similarly in this book, Gandalf keeps outright pointing out that all Sauron thinks about is power. And that's how we think other people like thinks of things. Right. Um, But he, I guess for whatever reason, hobbits like don't care. Like they're so simple. They're hungry. Uh, Which is why like Sauron can't predict what they're doing. Yeah. And that makes sense that if, if if he's going to destroy the ring, and you're someone who thinks about things only in terms of power, it would it would never really dawn on you that someone would destroy a ring that can give them power. That seems so antithetical to his worldview. Yeah, and like Boromir is like the way that I guess they would have expected the, you know, people to behave. Speaking of which, Boromir, not omitted from your power rankings. Yeah, he'd be below the, t- the, 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 the hobbits. He was sketchy. As soon as he pulled up, he was sketchy. I wouldn't have let him on the journey. I would have stopped him right there at the first council meeting. I'd say, ah, he's anybody who's giving you that. Cause you know, they say, if people tell you what they think, you know, you believe them. And right there at the first meeting, he was expressing signs that he had a different worldview. And I think we should have just chopped him loose right there. Say, sorry, brother. You're not coming on this journey with us. Stay here. 
Like who was in charge of making that call? Because that council meeting was pretty hectic. Like, Crazy hectic. Who's the leader? Like who's taking minutes? <laughs> There's what no are the interns. <laughs> Where are the interns? There was no, there was no, there was no planning session, but that, that really goes to show that if Gandalf had just expressed himself a little bit more, maybe everyone would have been more, a little bit better at making these decisions. But Gandalf's the only one that really knows what's happening. It's hard for people to make informed choices. Gandalf's always telling it like it is. He's never like unsure. Mm. He's always like, no, this is bad and this is good. Did you notice when Gandalf pulled up and he like looked a bit different? Gandalf the White? Yeah. What was up with that? <laughs> that kind of got me sketched. Dude, there's like the world's best beauty parlor, the center of the earth or whatever. I'm not so sure he's just somebody. I think he might just be somebody different. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> someone else just pulled up and was like yeah i'm gandalf <laughs> i don't i wouldn't put it past those ends <laughs> they got us they got an imposter gandalf was gandalf was taking too much time at the control panel i'd chop him loose so you you kind of mentioned earlier they they talk about or they they have like songs or what what else did they have that you mentioned, like uh, poems that you have to read that go on for like a couple pages? Sometimes this book just reads like a play. And there's like, there's some things happening where judgment is so off that it makes literally no sense. And I feel like there's physical things going on or like some characters are just like overly, like they, they're saying something that they would just be thinking why the fuck would worm worm tongue throw the palantir at the enemies crazy crazy call crazy call by worm yeah that's that's a great question it seems like he knew it was powerful and uh it, it didn't even do much damage you know you would at least hope that if he's going to use this thing as a weapon it'd be a powerful weapon and it, it didn't seem to to be that powerful as a weapon so that's just, a, that's a crazy use. That's a crazy misuse of funds, honestly. At his high school, when they had like dodgeball at lunch, beer, uh -huh. nobody invited Warpstrom <laughs> to their team. <laughs> I mean, you're going to hug the Palantir, like at least dome pop someone, you know? Like you, you yeah. Shot. You better have a great arm. You better have been recruited on a high school pitcher. Like, I know I can do some damage with this thing. If you just tossing it up, like. Hopefully this hurts. Uh, any anything else you wanted to hit on two towers? No, I need to finish this third one so I can get a full picture of the of the books, and then I can start the show. Sweet, yeah, maybe we'll we'll do booking it on the third one. I think we also promised the Black Swan, but um, we'll see. We about did promise, that. and we got to be men of our words on some level. Okay. So we'll maybe see. the Black we'll Swan, see. definitely Return of the King in the future. Um, Can I ask yeah. one question about the draft before we start? Okay. How does Is Jacob going to show up on time to any draft ever? I think we may have to send this guy two hours 
before the time next <laughs> or we get him on east coast hours and we send him just the same time you okay know? how do we do that like we i don't know i'm just i'm just gonna be this is gonna be something at the top of my priorities list next year jacob so charlie is referring to is for the second year running we're in a 10 team fantasy football league it's very serious um people fly out i flew out this year we had four people fly out to los angeles for a fantasy football draft which we do live every year and los angeles native and resident jacob silvera showed up late to the draft that four people flew out to two hours late <laughs> the second year in a row last year two hours two up. hours last year he showed up in the third round <laughs> okay so quick recap, our fantasy football league, we kicked field goals during Miracosta band practice to determine the draft order. Jay Wed shows up late to, to his own draft order challenge. And he was limping. <laughs> Hurt his knee playing volleyball at the beach. Arthritis pain. He got second to last, even though it was his idea. Um, but he beat Pat. He beat Patrick, which... Pretty tough. Honestly, I thought Patrick would do better. Football background, that guy. And Patrick was a long snapper. And you would think that that much time around the kickers on the team, you would pick up like one, two hints. You might just get that muscle eye memory, like watching them kick. No, nothing. You think Patrick ever asked like any questions about how it works? Yeah, apparently no. Apparently no. The ball and like pissing off. He was just snapping. He was just snapping. Just a snapper, dude. Okay. So this year, Charlie was absent this year. I mean, he's trying to give Jacob shit. He didn't even show up. Charlie's in school at DC. He's back at law school at Georgetown. So we had to miss our draft. Um, well, this year we had bartenders at the draft. They get a shout out. They were excellent. Shout out. Locke Ferris, my little brother, and Malcolm Kluth. Um, we had a tattoo artist show up and give the winner and the loser from last year. <laughs> the winner by choice. A winner by choice, loser, not so much, an ass tat. Uh, Charlie, what do you think about that, just writ large? Um, I wouldn't say I would do it, but a big respect to, to, to the people who did. Uh, especially Ryan. I mean, your first tattoo, I feel like is such a moment, you know, not that I've gotten one, but once like Jackson's got a lot of tattoos, so it's big respect, but I feel like you almost have a, a certain whateverness once you have the first one. And, and this just being your one focal point tattoo is so aggressive. I, 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 I was impressed by his choice for sure. So you're recommending Ryan get like two, three, four, just to like distribute. Yes. Distribute the ink. Yes. Because, because tattoos, you got a lot of tattoos. Then you got one that's silly. It's like, yeah, it's whatever to me. Cause I'm a tattoo guy, you know, I'm a tattoo guy and I'm just messing around. I put this one on. If that's just your one. And someone's like, so you didn't even want other tattoos, but like you got this one. It just, it makes it seem like you really were in a bad situation. Doesn't show a lot of strength. I texted myself after the draft for posterity's sake. And I said, 
strongest drafts, Jay led wow. and Declan. I think that this is the year that Declan is, is in the playoffs and doing powerfully. Declan has not made the playoffs for three or four years for context. Jackson, the reigning champion, his team, he had Travis Kelsey in the first, Jamar Chase in the second. He had the 10th pick, so that's 10-11. Saquon Barkley, Josh Allen, Allen Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Brandon Ayuk, Devin Singletary, James Robinson, Aaron Rodgers, Jarvis Landry. It goes on. Um, Declan Wright's team, the tennis camp hand jobs. Sus. Pick number six, seven. Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Kyle Pitts, AJ Brown, Justin Herbert, Deontay Johnson, AJ Dillon. Rashad Bateman, Tony Pollard, Robert Woods, Michael Carter, Isaiah Spiller, Jamal Williams, Matthew Stafford. Those are your two teams? Yeah, if I had to swap teams with anybody, I'd be choosing Declan's. I think you would choose anybody's team if you had to swap teams. And I'll, uh, I'll leave your team out. But okay. Worst teams? Hold on. Charlie okay. with the eighth pick. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne. Darren Waller, Jalen Waddell, Gabriel Davis, Joe Burrow, Ken Walker III, James Cook, Sky Moore, Ronald Jones, Rashad White, Dak Prescott. For those keeping track at home, Charlie's running backs are Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker III, and James Cook, who have a combined zero games played in the NFL. <laughs> Yo, Travis Etienne is, is, is an anchor. He's an anchor of my team. So I have a lot. You've you you've good wide receivers. I have some good running backs. If you wanna, you interested in David Montgomery? Little insurance. The thing I found most incomprehensible was the Dalvin Cook pick at four. I was genuinely fearful when I got this eighth pick. I was so sad because I thought there are seven decent players, uh, not including Dalvin Cook. And when you took him, I almost. I, I actually, if, if you go to the tape on Zoom, I get out of my chair. I'm dancing. I am dancing. <laughs> I know I don't have to take him anymore. All right. But I think the craziest draft was Jackson Hart. Because it feels like he's literally missing a second round pick. Like, if you put C.D. Lamb at two and moved every player down one, I would think, yeah, that's when those players would have gone. Jackson Hart had the number one overall pick. I'll read his team out. Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Elijah Mitchell, Josh Jacobs, Darnell Mooney, TJ Hawkinson, Jalen Hurts, Naheem Hines, Zach Ertz, Devontae Parker, Trey Lance, who was drafted before Tom Brady. Um, and what Charlie's referring to is James Conner as a second round pick. And Michael Pittman as the 21st pick was crazy early too. Um, dude, I, you're just throwing a lot of slander for someone whose running back situation is just not okay. Look, look, I just, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I just want this on the record. So at the end of the year, I can, I can point back to this conversation. Charlie Moore is one of the two league historians. So it is officially on the record. And I also say most incomprehensible moment of the of the year okay so oh, ryan brown does not draft a kicker 
No problem. He'll pick one up later. Right? Who does he? It's 18 rounds we picked. Who does he drop to pick up his kicker? His 13th round pick. <laughs> How could you do that? You drafted him five rounds earlier than these other people. How could you decide that that's the guy you're going to drop? He, you drafted a wide receiver in the 18th round, and you drafted Tyler Boyd in the 13th round, and you dropped Robbie. You dropped Tyler Boyd. Incomprehensible so, play. Ryan pulled me aside three separate times that the weekend of the draft before the draft and told me how excited he was to get Robbie Anderson. <laughs> the fact that he got Robbie Anderson in the 18th round, like he was incredulous. So, I mean, I guess you got to stick with your boys. I you guess know? so. I guess so. Ryan Brown also um, hilarious his quarterback situation of Tua and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan actually doesn't have an arm on his shoulder at this point. Quarterbacks drafted within 10 picks of Tua, who is Ryan's starting quarterback. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott. So sometimes there's a run on a position, and then you just end up with Tua as your quarterback that was a dark 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 run i think uh i have a lot of belief in atn but also i felt like ken walker in a keeper league was just great value just killed a bug by the way yeah so i got the feeling that you were playing the keeper aspect which i like you you got some guys late rashad white on tampa bay could be really good but since it's only a one-year keeper like anybody could be your keeper, you know? It doesn't necessarily need to be like a young guy. Yeah. It could just it just has to be someone who overperformed where you drafted them. Yeah, that's why I think that I'm gonna have a lot of these guys. I'm gonna have a lot of trade chips at the end of the year. I'm gonna have a surplus of, of keepers. A sneaky one, Alexander Madison, my eleventh round pick. Uh-huh. Um, his contract's up with minnesota and he'll be a starter somewhere next year mm, yeah. i like that i i took him people thought i took him early but i uh what's it called i i also thought that rob perennial champion and highest average league scorer i don't like his team perennial champion slow down rob Sorry, perennial, perennial contender Rob is a perennial contender. He drafted sixth this year. His roster is as follows. Najee Harris, Stephon Diggs, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Chris Godwin, Russell Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Olave, Raheem Mostert, Tyler Algier, Romeo Dobbs, Derek Carr. Here's my problem. There's a lot of teams that load up on depth, like Ryan, didn't take a wide receiver, a tight end or a quarterback until the 11th. And you took one tight end and then nobody else until the 13th. But if you're going to take a quarterback and a tight end, like you want to, you want then if you're going to take them pretty early, I feel like you want your roster to feel like a, like an all-star team. Like I'm, I have a really strong starters and he took Russell Wilson and Dalton Schultz in the six, seven turn. 
which was like the round after like Justin Herbert went, Lamar Jackson went, and like Darren Waller went, and TJ Hawkinson went like the next round. My only point being, those felt like big, big reaches and in like a bad spot where you still needed to get value at wide receiver. And his starters, like with the two flexes, it's just looking a bit, a little bit sketchy to me. Because right now he has to start Chris Olave because DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. Mm-hmm. And that and just Chris seems Godwin's like, hurt. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah, he has Chris Godwin hurt, DeAndre Hopkins on suspension. But if you're going to draft that kind of way, I feel like you couldn't take the quarterback and tight end there, especially those two who were reaches. But if you're going to take these suspended players, I feel like you need people who are going to play. And I feel like his – I wish I was playing him right now. I really wish I was playing him week one. That looks like that looks like the week one low score. I would I would like to point that on the board. Rob he will score the lowest points in the first week. This screams Rob's gonna go 0 and 4 and then rip off an insane run to like almost make the playoffs and be the highest scoring team in the league. Yikes. <laughs> don't don't want to end up with him in the sack of playoffs and end up having to battle him. Yeah, speaking of the Sacco, we call it the blue ball. The punishment this year, did you catch that? No. We're going to go to a Dodger game, and everyone who was in the Sacco playoffs, so the four teams that didn't make it, three of the non-Saccos will be DDing to the Dodger game. Prudent. And we'll all sit together, and last place has to kill a beer and a hot dog for every inning. I love the Dodgers. I'm excited for this. And I'm going to be having a great time getting chauffeured around. This is the first year where uh, all the Sago participants are being punished. Yeah, that's interesting. Declan's going to do his first punishment. So those three drivers will be... uh, Yeah, yeah, list them right now. Rob, Austin, and Roy. And Jackson Hart will be drinking, eating the hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) There you have it. The, you texted me about Bill Simmons' podcast. I wouldn't be surprised. I listened to it. It was horrible with, talking about Kevin Durant. Um, oh. Charlie, Charlie's not the biggest fan of KD. Yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't be surprised if we get KD on the BS pod in two weeks. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Bill Simmons loves this guy. It's actually, it's painful. You know, like, Bill Simmons, his whole thing was, remember how he would always say, like, um, these reporters, like they get to know the guys and then they can't tell it to you straight. He would always say this. And his, his relationship to Durant is just, it's honestly painful for me. It's painful. Like that hour, it was literally like, literally the, the thesis of the episode was like, let's talk about why Durant's actually in the right. And I was like, that's actually the most heinous sentence you've ever said. I turned off the pod. I, I can't. It was after a month off. I, I can't listen to this. I just can't believe he went away for a month and came back with that. That's what he cooked up. Oh, I hate it. In terms of uh, Kevin Durant, Scheudenfroud, Scheudenfroud, your enjoyment of seeing him fail, how do you feel about him staying at the Nets, like as someone who's rooting against him? I'd like to see him get traded to the Lakers. Okay. (laughs) Because these Lakers are 
such a goofy group of guys and Durant is the goofiest of them all. I I just feel like he's perfect for this for this organization. Do we pair him back with Westbrook or is Westbrook a piece of the trade? Westbrook's in the trade. Westbrook's in the trade. And then we trade LeBron to Cleveland. I just can't deal with these Lakers anymore. Do you see the Pat Bev trade today? Yeah. He's a winner. We got rid of THT, dude. I thought THT was like the 40th best player in the league. Sometimes you hold that the stock. The best player in the league. I feel like one day I'm going to buy a stock and I'm just going to be watching it go down, down, down. But just keep holding, holding. And then this is literally dumping him at the at the $2 mark. Yeah, it's like selling it's selling out of your Peloton stock right now. <laughs> it's like you're liquidating your Bitcoin position. <laughs> All right. That was it for uh for booking it fantasy corner and Durant Hater corner. <laughs> we will Charlie's gonna read Return of the King. And uh We'll be back soon with Booking It 3. See you.